Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, 8 out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit, or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number? That refers to the relative difference between 0.88 and 0.04%. That's what they call 95% relative risk reduction. And relative risk reduction is well known to be a misleading number, which is why the FDA recommends using absolute risk reduction instead. Which begs the question, how many people would have chosen to take the COVID-19 vaccines had they understood that they offered less than 1% benefit? Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, May 5th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Some important things, as always, to get into. One thing I think you'll be interested to find out is that Paxlovid, you know, the, fi- the ivermectin knockoff, just failed its trial, which weirdly enough doesn't mean that it's going away, which is I mean, I guess that's fair to trials continue, but it's (laughs) pretty interesting to see how this has gone, that they've acted like ivermectin was something that was just outrageously ridiculous, pretended it was only a horse dewormer, like just every step of the way. And now even their knockoff fails, and yet we're still supposed to pretend that's not there. But that's just one part of today. Obviously, the bigger discussion is of the information that is coming out of Pfizer that I guess is showing you what we've already proven over and over and over. Now, that doesn't mean it's not important. It's actually really important to see that they're admitting what I said. they've been censoring people, or that people have been censored for, admitting what they pretended wasn't real, ad- admitting what the media, I mean, it's just everything. The pregnancy issues, the, the risk, the pandemic of the injected, all of it. But weirdly enough, shocking, I know, it's nowhere to be found in the corporate media. Isn't that interesting? Even some of these quasi out there independents that seemingly have been attacking the story aren't yet on the story. It's very interesting to see. And it's and of course, they're pointing in every which direction to make you not see this stuff on top of something that I already talked about uh, right when this first came out. And I've been planning to come back to today. I just wanted to do another touch on it in regard to uh, an article coming from Off Guardian. But I'm waiting a little it to a certain degree because I want to wait to see how this actually fleshes out. But it's important that people are aware. And I'm glad I saw this article because the way Kit Knightley wrote it in Off Guardian made a lot of sense. Like, we need to be aware this is happening even before it actually officially becomes real because of how much it's, it, it is. I mean, this is cementing the Great Reset. This is exactly, of course, I should say what we're talking about, right? That is the pandemic treaty, WHO, the UN, the, the World Economic Forum. 
and an interesting admission that was just made recently as well. We're going to go over all this today, of course, but we're going to, and a couple quick touches on Ukraine. I want to make sure we keep up on the story, but obviously I think what's happening right now around COVID-19 is beginning to show people that this didn't go away. We knew that we told you that everybody was aware of that. That was following along with the show and other diff- other independent media. But a lot of people did think this was over oh, back when COVID was happening. It's like, Oh, when, and by the way, when I hear COVID was happening, I don't think virus circulating. I think back when the government was attacking our lives, you know, the, the point is didn't go away. It never has ever in the history of the government. But in this case, it only ramped up. The narrative slowed down. And I've said that many times. And now we're starting to see that come back. We're starting to see how they're building. They're con- uh, constructing the building blocks for what is going to happen. And weirdly enough, it's exactly what all the conspiracy theorists have told you they were doing and building and proving it to you with documentation, but they're just crazy. So it's not happening. Pretty interesting. But let's jump into it to start off. I want to actually give you this video again. I played that many times, by the way. This is actually from a Canadian group walking people through the very earliest deception in regard to how they hid the fact that this was failing right in the beginning. Like, this is the most incredible part about this. It's never been hard to see. They lied to you about what the the clip we saw in the beginning, relative risk reduction versus absolute risk reduction. And even though they admitted, ooh, we made a mistake, and oh, Fauci, oh, I mixed those up, and all, I mean, as always, rather than be seen as incompetent than criminal, weirdly enough, they just kept using it, though. (laughs) Isn't that strange? And they kept it going forward. And as they say here, that's even they say that's not right because it's deceiving. And yet they still kept using it. Isn't that strange? It's obviously not strange. The point is they were hiding the reality. If it's actually that low, the reason they used the wrong, the deceptive relative risk reduction numbers because they wanted the average person who doesn't see what we're saying, doesn't see Fauci in, you know, confusingly say something that people don't understand what he's talking about as he confused two different terminologies, R, 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 and A, R. You know, they, people don't know what they're talking about. A-A-A-R-R and R-R-R and these different terminologies and the acronyms, that's that's intentional. They didn't want people to see that this was the case from the beginning. Now, it's just this for Omicron variant, this or, you know, long COVID and all these different variables they throw into the mix. And we don't know for sure what we do, though. We always have. What we knew for sure, and what I mean by that, is that this thing was not sound, that we didn't have enough information, and now that is coming to pass where we're seeing that information was held because it was showing you the truth. And still, this thing marches forward. It's quite incredible and alarming, but I want us to see that even though it's negative in the way that they're just keeping it going and it's very alarming, the reason it's a positive thing is because we are having an effect on the flow of their agenda. Realize that if everything came out, they would probably still keep going. Especially when it's an endgame scenario like this. As I've said before, it's a cornered animal kind of an idea. They're not just going to give up and lay over. They're going to fight even harder. So that's what we're seeing. But realize that you out there are making a difference. Everything that you're doing by spreading this information or other people's information that you think are doing a great job, you're making a difference. Quite an incredible difference. And that's what we're seeing take place here. Now, I wanted to also make a quick comment about something I saw on Super U that I want to make sure people know, first of all, was not me, because as you know, I'm not in in general. Bottom line was there's something strange that was happening on Super U that was saying comment was removed because it contained words blocked by the host. Well, there's nothing blocked for me on Super U. 
even though it, there is a section where you can do that as, as an individual creator, you can choose to block certain words as most platforms do, but I didn't do that. And so it was strange that it was happening. And I wanted to throw that out there for people. I'm looking into it, asking the team to find out why that happened. Cause Marshall is obviously a mod on there and he was posting just links and other things and it wasn't working. Just want to throw that out there for those that may have seen that. So you guys know that that's something that wasn't, it, you know, it's a glitch or something strange that's happening. I mean, cause to be clear, there's things that in general, to be, I've said before that I would remove if somebody was outright violently attacking somebody or rather, you know, plenty of things in my opinion would be something that would be removed just so that's clear. But ultimately these things weren't my, my saying, I just want to make sure people saw that. And it's interesting because this gets into the discussion about, you know, censorship and everything else. And I've, as I've always maintained, really, when we talk about censorship, we need to understand what that actually means. It's a, we're talking about an authority figure, a government essentially censoring your ability to speak when this kind of thing happens. And I've always said this, it's the idea of somebody kicking in your, you know, or being invited in your front door and then screaming things and saying, okay, well, I don't want you to scream in my house and you go out the front door, you can scream all you want. So it's the same kind of idea on somebody's channel. People tend to make it seem like censorship in a concept of somebody who is cultivating their chat, let's say, when it's not necessarily the same thing. And I do get it. It's a fine line. But bottom line is people out there who, especially today, realize that there's trolls and bots and things that try to jump in the chat, as you guys see on T-Lab all the time. Hey, check out these girls over here on this website. They would love to conflate that and make it look like, look at our audience and how gross they are. That's, that's how that works, just to make that point. But I wanted to make sure people saw that. I'm going to find out why that happened. and let you know. Also, another great note, I wanted to give a shout out to Rebunked Scott here, who you guys are familiar with. We interviewed him in he, formerly with Trucilla. He's now doing his own thing on Rebunked. He, we, he was the uh, alcohol and uh, drug and alcohol counselor for, for uh, youth, I believe. And we had that really great interview about how what he's seeing with the youth and what he's going through and how they ultimately, he, I, I forget how it worked out or where he had to step down or he lost his job. Either way, it was because of the injection and these kids were suffering during that time and they still are. And it was just a great interview. Bottom line is I wanted to give a shout out to his work and let you guys know that he is going to be conducting rebunked out of the T-Lab offices, out of the studio that we have there. And I just, I, I respect his work and I wanted to give him Basically, what we're looking at here is I'm trying to start something where this is his thing. I don't want to make it. I don't want to. This is not T-Lab taking over his thing. I, that Who knows where that will go in the future and we decide. But I'm looking at this sort of an incubator concept. And I want to give people the resources that I didn't have when I was just starting. So now that he's starting his own thing, I thought it would be great. He was moving to Tennessee was the point. But make sure you check out his work because I think he's doing a great job. And we're probably going to do an interview tomorrow in the studio together and, and uh, you know talk about it then more. So. Good stuff coming your ways, guys. I think this feels like something good coming your way in general, how this is going to build. And, you know, because my opinion, guys, is Pete, we're being attacked. And you know that from every possible angle, anybody out there with even the slightest bit of objectivity is being attacked and trying. They're trying to drive people into the two party paradigm or make them stop altogether. So we need to stick together and support those that need our support. Especially, again, those that don't have the audience like you guys, right? Don't have all the people out there who are willing to donate monthly just because they believe in your work. Like, you know, T-Lab is a special model. I think of that every day. I'm so proud of what we built and what you guys are here doing. I'd like to make that grow into other people and then not just T-Lab, right? Let's get this model to overtake what they're trying to do with their censorship and their monetization and all that. Anyway, excited about the future. Now I wanted to make a quick point about censorship. On Twitter, in Elon's world, right? Elon Musk buys Twitter. I, I just, I think this is a funny dynamic because the first thing that came to my mind 
when I'm realizing that this there is some censorship that just happened on on my Twitter account. But there's also a good thing. So it's it's a it's a double-edged sword here. I'll show you in a second. But this, first of all, was a, a tweet that was censored just recently, like two days ago. So bottom line is I laugh thinking, okay, when I say that this happened because Elon's there, all the people that would love to support him on the you know two-party paradigm side are probably going to scream, well, no, there's plenty of people that could have done it. It doesn't have to be Musk. Okay, fair enough. But then when I say, well, how do you know the good things that are happening are because of, oh, because Musk bought Twitter and it has to be Musk. Funny how that works, right? <laughs> I'm assuming, but I think that's we could all realize that's probably going to happen. But this is a tweet that you guys see. This is a recent show I just did. Ukraine governor says civilians helping Russia face execution, which he did. So 100% truthful. Study confirms jab-induced hepatitis, which it did, peer-reviewed on the Journal of Hepatology. <laughs> Can't get much better than that. And of course, this was censored by Twitter under Elon's rule, apparently, however you want to take that for misinformation around COVID. So it has to do with hepatitis. Well, as you guys know, here's the study. <laughs> April 20th. This is not an, this is unequivocal. This is very 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 clear and I've went over this more than once. COVID-19 vaccination can elicit a distinct T cell dominant immune mediated hepatitis. Period. End of story. There's more to that. You can read this whole study for yourself. But the bottom line is, you cannot debate that there is evidence that this is happening. So when I come out and make a study about this and Twitter under Elon's rule, I keep saying that just because I, trust me, I don't know for sure whether it's Elon or whatever's going on. I'm just making a point. It's, it's still happening. They're still censoring COVID-19 information that is 100% verifiable. Now, here's the interesting part. This account was suspended for a moment. Now, what's interesting, now remember, I'm not in control of this. I mean, I am, but the email is not mine. So it goes to the email and then... So the person sent it to me. I mean, you guys probably know it's Emily, but it doesn't matter. The point is she sent it to me. So I saw this. But then when I checked, the account was still working. So I was confused. But it turns out, but then right right now, by the way, if I go on a, a, a incognito page, it still says suspended. So I, have, I don't know what's going on. It could seem to suggest that there is something changing in a positive way. But here's the interesting part, though. The tweet was removed. So this is different. So they either censored the account into some weird limbo or they censored it. And then instead of keeping me censored until I, they just removed the tweet and gave it back to me. Now, by the way, as I said, Twitter seems to have removed the tweet without my say so bringing the account back. But is that not censorship in a different way? That is the same thing. They still removed the tweet and stopped the flow of information, even though they let my account remain. So again, I don't know where this points to, but this kind of puts a stick in the spokes into what we're hearing from a very partisan side of this argument. I've posted the same tweet again. Let's see what happens. Now, so far, nothing. It's right here. Reasonable engagement. Here's the study link. We'll see what happens. Interesting. I just wanted people to see that this is not all clear just yet what's really going on with Twitter. And you know my opinion. I don't believe for one second that this oligarch's going to be better than that oligarch, okay? And that's maybe a little bit pessimistic, I hope it gets better, and I hope Elon changes the world. So too does Trump, but I don't believe it's going to happen personally. Now here is, by the way, oh, this is an important, this, this was just me searching for that tweet, and you can see that it is definitely gone until I reposted it again on the 4th. So they deleted it, which is quite interesting. Now, uh, oh, by the way, just on a quick note, this is an interesting addition to this story, since I'm not going to get into it today, in regard to the hepatitis vaccine-induced hepatitis, specifically COVID-19 vaccine broadly, which is interesting. That's why I think it's a spike protein thing, induced hepatitis. But 
this person, I, I can't necessarily confirm this, but I do th- find there to be validity in the, in the argument. Basically what they're arguing is the right, that the children that are not vaccinated and you can look at the data they produce are getting this problem because they're breastfeeding from women that are fully injected. And we know that's a verifiable thing. We saw that happen in the studies themselves where they reported that happening in the study trial for Pfizer, but also the fact that Dr. Warren and plenty of others talked about shedding as well as the, the spike protein circulating in the body. So think about that fully vaccinated women breastfeeding talk about the pregnant discussion, which we'll get into in a minute with the Pfizer documentation that just came out showing you this is a concern. So let's not pretend like this is not a real obvious thing. Then on top of that, the kids that did have it, that did get injected, and that makes sense right there. But the bottom line is this is being censored and it is alarming. Now, oh, and and this is this is just the, as, I te- as I've done lately, I'm including the show where I discuss that if you'd like to see the coverage. Now, here on top of that is the good sign. This is actually, I mean, the other one might be seen as a good thing, but this is really interesting. I never, ever would have expected this. Now, if it was COVID, I'd be even more surprised. But this is a tweet you guys have seen. It's got pretty good engagement. 545 likes. Directly contradicting the U.S. narrative coming straight from Ukraine extremists that your tax dollars are supporting. Now, you can, I hope you guys have seen, if you haven't seen this, you need to watch this. These are, I think, S or C-14, depending on, you know, it's always different places in the world. But it's an extremist group in Ukraine that is openly speaking. And they're authoritative. They have lots of, it's not, it's, I would argue it's within the larger neo-Nazi sort of Azov movement. Because that has become more of a movement. It's not just the Azov Battalion anymore, as I made clear a hundred times. But nonetheless, there's, you know, Svoboda, which is a political party. There's the right sector. There is Georgia Legion, which are battalions. And they're all openly neo-Nazi. So this joke that this one small thing doesn't exist anymore, they're just playing, they're, they're treating you like a stupid child. Not just a child, but a stupid child. <laughs> These people are openly saying, on the record, we are doing this for money. We do what the U.S. says because they're paying us to do it. We like hurting people. Like, it's very clear. Now, the point in showing you this keeping this in the feed. And that's why I do that, by the way, because otherwise it doesn't show up. But the point is, here is what Twitter sent us. Now, this is a good sign. I mean, I feel it is, because what it says is, Twitter is required by German law to provide notice to users who are reported by people in Germany. So apparently somebody in Germany, via the Network Enforcement Act, is reporting that tweet as whatever, fake news, dangerous, whatever, you know, German law stuff. It says, we have received a complaint regarding my account for that content they just showed you. See, it's right there. But here's what it says. We have investigated the reported content and have found that it is not subject to removal under Twitter rules. Like, what does that even mean? They've removed stuff that's clearly proven to be true under some abstract thing. So are they now following the rules or I don't know. But I have to admit that gave me some hope. Good. Finally, somebody's not censoring things just because it's politically not, you know, not advantageous for their political side. So mixed bag, I would say. But Another downside, here's somebody else making the same point, COVID-related. So if it's only COVID stuff, that would give me a clear indication about the what this whole transition illusion, maybe, I don't know, was supposed to do for us. But, aha, my Twitter account was locked and this was tagged misleading. This is a PhD, by the way, medical doctor. My call to not label things as misleading when one simply restates what is published in peer-reviewed journals. Yeah, you know that's my, I've been screaming about that the whole time like scientific reports in the nature portfolio. Fact checkers, please at least read the study. Yeah, you're barking up the wrong tree. They don't care about the facts. But the point was, 
it's it's another study that we all uh, basically breaking down the illusion that we continue to show you. Oh wait, this is the right link. In any case, how did I lose that? Oh, here we go. Increased emergency cardiovascular events among under 40 population in Israel during vaccine rollout and third COVID wave. You know how much of this is out there? It is unreal how much is being ignored, how much is being missed or overlooked or just it's unreal. It's so much showing you correlation, showing you provable information, showing you that the very least there is nothing but questions around whether or not this is dangerous. But then if you really open your eyes, it's undeniable this is hurting people. This is why we have people like Malone and McCullough out there making their victory laps right now saying we've been vindicated. And by the way, they were vindicated a long time ago. So are we. They've been proving what they've been saying a whole long time. So why, interestingly, is it vindication when Pfizer admits that they've what they've already proven is correct? I do agree it is vindication, but it's an interesting flow, right? Where we have to wait for Pfizer to be like, oh, you're right, sort of quietly. When even, And I'm, I'm not saying it'd be different if they were hypothesizing and then it got proven. My point is we've been showing you the peer-reviewed science. So too have they. Going, yes, this can hurt you, clearly. And then Pfizer just puts out a quiet document that says that they found a fraction of that. And that's, it's weird, isn't it? Because what they're saying, even though documentation is not even remotely what's really happening. So it's almost like we're stepping into a reduction of what they're admitting. You see what I'm saying? Very strange. But nonetheless, it's good that it's coming out. But here she's she's simply pointing out that this is showing you an increased risk. Cardiac arrest, myocardial, not just myocarditis, but heart problems. Yes, guys, this is what we've been saying from the very beginning. The point is, though, she got censored for simply acknowledging what the study said. This is recent. Elon's Twitter, who ultimately knows? Now, I wanted to play this before we jump into what was next, actually. Oh, a quick part on the MAGA vanilla ISIS point, and then we'll get into some, just a couple points on Ukraine. We'll finish off with all COVID-19. But this is important. This is actually from... Last month, I hadn't seen it, but you, we've been talking about this from, I mean, for like as long as I've ever been doing this, I do not believe, I feel like it's very prove. I think it's provable that your vote doesn't matter. And I know that's a really sensitive thing for some people to hear. Now, it doesn't mean that it can't matter or that it shouldn't matter. The point is that in a honest society, an honest representative government, you're voting, your vote would be paramount and it should be. But we need to recognize as adults that we are being deceived. This is adult Santa Claus that we're dealing with in regard to where they've just gotten us to a point to where we think we can check a box and walk away. And for all we know, that goes in the garbage can and you feel like I did my part. What you're about to see here is an admission of how it really works. They're telling you, and of course, it's just about one part of it. It's sort of the lobbying special interest part. But if you don't think this translates to the entirety of your government or any government, then you're just not paying attention because this is now I don't know for sure if it's always been like this. I have a sneaking suspicion that it kind of has been. But nonetheless, it shows you that it really comes down to just simply buying your position. And if special interests can just buy positions, then what are we voting for? Or on top of that, well, I guess that's not fair in the context of what this is showing you, but it is in the larger point. But ultimately, what are they actually bringing into reality? The constituents will or the people that pay them? Something to think about. Now, let's watch this clip and you guys can decide for yourselves, as always.
very revealing uh comment. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. I think I broke it down. One second. Here's just a clip. So I'll include the link to their breakdown. They they do give some commentary and everything, but I kind of wanted it independent of the commentary. But I wanted to just make sure I gave the shout out to where it came from. This is where I saw it. But here's just the clip that they play. This is the important part. Y'all are very much concerned about why our Congress is so unresponsive to the regular needs of American citizens. Why some of these policies that come out are so bizarre so unfair, so skewered against regular Jane and Joe citizens. The reason is simple. Special interest groups run Washington. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean literally. It's amazing that you can state something. So, I mean, that would be conspiracy theory coming from me, right? You know that. Corporate media would laugh themselves out of their chair because I'm such a naive conspiracy theorist, right? But we know this is the reality. Even our jokes indicate that we're aware that this is how the world works. Yet we somehow don't want to say it out loud in company. It's childish, isn't it? Like, it's like we're, we don't want to admit it because you're afraid you're going to be looked at like a conspiracy theorist, even though we all, not even secretly, like loudly internally know that it's true. He's going to lay it out for you. They buy their positions. Now, here is how it happens. In the House of Representatives, I'll use that as an example because that's where I work. If you want to be chairman of a major committee, you have to purchase it. And the purchase price for a major committee, say like Ways and Means, minimum bid is a million dollars. Now, I'm, I'm talking literally here. I'm not talking metaphorically, okay? Now, obviously, these aren't, you know, voted positions, right? These are people that are already voted in, and then they're talking about leadership positions within these within you know congressional groups but nonetheless if they're getting that position because they're paying for it first of all that doesn't uh, that's obviously not how we think this goes but then on top of that the people who fund that because these people can't pay for that so the special interest step in and you could think of it from any representative point it could be israeli representative it could be gun law I mean, it could be anything but the point, though, is that usually there's a lot of select or a small grouping of selected people that tend to be controlling most of these things, but they are influencing what they'll ultimately do. And if they don't do what they're paid for, even if that contradicts what the constituents want, the constituents want, then they won't give them the money they need to get the position once it comes to pass. It, I mean, they're, these people are beholden to the money, not you. And I don't know why we pretend like this is a conspiracy theory. Right. I mean, I've written entire articles about lobbyists and how this is, I mean, this is this circumvention of everything we think we believe in. They are simple. I mean, people have argued forever, take the money out of politics. And yeah, I agree with that, but it's just one aspect of the large illusion. But yes, money is, you know, as history have people have said, the root of all evil, right? But if there wasn't money, it would just be something else, quite honestly. People like this will always take advantage of those that want to see the good in people. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't see the good in people. It just means you should be aware there are people out there who will do this and consider that in, in, in your daily processes, right? I mean, I don't believe this is most people. That's why I always point out that if you break down and look at the data on you know the general estimation of how many people in society are sociopaths, psychopaths. Right, the prevalence of, of sociopathy and, and psychopathy in the in populations. 
it generally is so, uh, you know, smaller, it's few percent, which interestingly, almost always aligns exactly with the percentage of people that are in politics. Now, that could just be a coincidence. I don't think it is. And it shows you that these people coalesce around the power. And the problem is that most people don't want the, most people aren't maniacs. Most people aren't sociopaths. They want good things. And as I just talked about today with Scott, in fact, is that that's because, the, as Caitlin Johnstone's always pointed out, because we want good. We want them to be good. We want to be good. We want to spread freedom and democracy and whatever these things mean. But the point is, that's not what they're doing. They don't, wouldn't pretend to be good people if we didn't want good things. They are the bad ones driving us into the ground for their own interests. We have committees broken down by A group, B group, and C group. C are the cheapest. B are the most expensive, are middling. A is the most expensive. Sorry, I'll let it play after this. I just want to add, what they just said in the chat is probably more important than what I said. The, the, the military contractors, right? The Raytheons, the, 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 the funding of the military industrial complex, right? Absolutely, Lockheed Martin. These are the ones right now that I'm most concerned about because, I mean, these are the merchants of death. I, it's it's undeniable to see how this is continuing and they fund these people, which then continue to, they then lean into policy that continues the wars because it's just an endless cycle endless and i don't even know how you could even remotely call it a conspiracy theory that's a verifiable reality they just pretend that it happens in conjunction with democracy and freedom and what you want <laughs> again child it's adult santa claus it's the most expensive because those are the committees that the special interest groups care the most about so where does a congressman come up with a million dollars to be chairman of one of these eight committees. You can't get it from Joe and Jane Citizen because Joe and Jane Citizen back home, they're not going to be contributing that kind of money. They don't have it. They need that money for their own families. Okay? So, let me finish. Let me finish. And so, you have to get it from the special interest groups. And with the special interest groups, there is a quid pro quo. If you don't do what they tell you to do, they won't give you the money that finances your chairmanship. I had one guy who ran for chairman of the NRCC, which is where the Republicans pay their money for these committee assignments and chairmanships, just as the Democrats pay theirs to the DCCC. And this guy who wanted to be chair of the NRCC actually had a brochure. And that brochure had price listings written on it. And his, his argument for getting elected was, elect me, I will charge you less. Now, you understand how the public policy debate is corrupted. When to be in a position of power, you have to do what the special interest groups require, which undermines the public policy debate. The money now is triumph. And I'll give you a second example. So it's not Mo Brooks talking, but there's real evidence to back this up. Congressman Thomas Massey, who, by the way, endorsed me yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, I should add that Rand Paul has also endorsed me from Kentucky. Um, he had a lobbyist come up to him, and the lobbyist said, look, I will pay your $500,000 to be on Ways and Means if you will sponsor this patent bill. Thomas is brilliant. He has patents, MIT grad. And, Pat, and Thomas said, okay, I'll look at it. And he looked at it and said, no, this hurts the small inventor. The people with the power and the money are going to use that power and money to steal 
the patent rights from the person who actually had the idea who should be reaping the rewards of that idea. As always. And so Thomas went back to the lobby and said, nope, I'm not going to do it. The lobby said, okay, I'm not going to pay that $500,000. Thomas Massey got that published on the front page of USA Today, that story. And I saw it, and I'm going, finally, somebody else in the House of Representatives who is honorable, who is ethical, and sees the corruption associated with this process. And I went to Thomas and said, thank you for doing that. And Thomas responded, well, I made one big mistake. It looked good to me. He said, well, I talked about it in terms of buying committee assignments, when really it's a rental agreement. You have to pay it every two years. Wow. Now, the, the national media knows about this. Both political parties do it, so neither party rises to the occasion and makes this a major public policy issue that would increase exposure about what's getting done. But if you want to know why our government is not properly facing the challenges that are in front of the United States of America, that more than anything else is the reason. Yeah, amongst other things, but obviously the money influences what they will do. I mean, this is basic reality. Now, one thing they point out on the show here is that even Massey, even Rand, even even him speaking, are also taking part in this game. So it's a little bit disingenuous, but you could make the argument that it's impossible to take part, sort of like oper- you know, fighting from within. That's always the argument, which it's, it's impossible, in my opinion. They tend to get corrupted, even though they don't realize it, if that's even, you know, however you want to look at it. But the bottom line is, they also have these things you could point out. But this is, this is the system. This is why the system is broken or made this way. <laughs> broken if to us, as people that are deceived into thinking how it should operate honestly but it's just incredible but this this gets ignored right i mean it's i barely heard this talk i didn't even see this till somebody sent it to me it's quite interesting now over here i want to make one more point before we go to to a couple ukraine points about this about where this i just we can't miss how this is still building now i believe this is meant to coordinate with the covid19 discussion because this will grow as we're i mean now that we've got discussions of afghanistan you know, I, I mean, there's arguments of just there of, of refugees that people are saying could be terrorists, which is a fair argument to make. You know, anybody could be anything. But the point is, people from Afghanistan, they refugees they brought over, which I mean, you could argue these could be people that are planning to ter- carry out actions for somebody, for the CIA of their own accord. It's funny how even saying these things, you always picture somebody else going, oh, what a conspiracy theorist. It's like, why is that such a hard thing for you to recognize? You mean the thing they've done 100,000 times on the record now is conspiracy theory because here it's a, like, just think about that. Like, are we saying that the CIA is not capable of doing that even though they've done it before? It's always interesting in my mind to think about that. But nonetheless, watching what we're seeing build in Ukraine, knowing they've built the same thing in Ukraine, watching how their argument of vanilla ISIS and we see the threat building and we just don't know how to stop it, all focused on MAGA and conservatives and rise above movement, except that's directly tied to Oz of Italian, which is tied back to the CIA. There's building of a narrative here. I don't, can't honestly tell you I know how it's going to come together. I have my opinions and I've shared them with you. But this, guys, it's, it's just still building. Biden says MAGA. Make America great again, which is kind of funny that he's saying that it's obviously their MAGA just means Trump and Republican, not what the phrase actually stands for, is the most extreme political organization in recent U.S. history, which he added after the fact, by the way. But just think about how dumb that is. I mean, there are so many groups, including plenty on the left, by the way, that you could argue are way, 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 way more extreme than anything you've seen happen from MAGA. Their point is what they wink, wink, nudge, know they're secretly doing behind the scenes. 
again, how childish. How are you really going to pretend you know what they think and want and feel? You're ridiculous, corporate media. But the bottom line is, on the surface, it's verifiable that's not true. Antifa, for instance, has done way more violent things than you could point out on a broad sense than anything you can even abstractly connect to MAGA, even including January 6th, guys. It's very clear, valid. Doesn't mean that's everything, blah, blah, blah. Every time you have to counterbalance everything these days. The point, though, is that this is just ridiculous, and it continues to lay the groundwork for why what they want to lay connect the conservative movement with, or rather just anybody they say that to, which they label, they level at me. Hashtag two-party illusion. Doesn't matter. As it says in here, the MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history, comma, as he thought about that. Oh, wait, crap, that's not real. In recent American history. <laughs> oh, okay. So what's recent, like last week? I mean, it doesn't even matter, right? The point is, if you try to make it about in American history, you look like a moron. And a lot of things he says make him look like a moron. So he basically backs immediately away, probably someone in his ear going, wait, wait, that's not true. Recent history, even recent history. It's just an illusion, guys. What does that even mean? I mean, first of all, how about, I would love someone to outline for me what MAGA actually is in a context of a group, a movement. Is it all conservatives anywhere? Is it any Trump supporter? Is it anybody that believed in Trump's motto? I mean, for crying out loud, it's just meant to be abstract and undefinable. It's anybody they want to lay it at. All they want you to think about is the narrative they've constructed. Matt, you know, white supremacy and the rising threat and nationalism and what they're building and they want to overtake this and do that. And okay, what's actually happened? What can they prove? Right? When you really boil it down, it becomes pretty juvenile. Not to say that who knows, could be true. I don't believe it is. I would need facts and evidence to make that point. As always, don't seem they do. Doesn't seem that they do. Uh, the last point here is it says on Wednesday, Biden also reiterated his concerns about the Supreme Court draft majority opinion published by Politico on Monday. Of course, I'm not even going to get into this because this is just a obvious, like jammed in wedge issue. Like, look at this thing. Argue over it. That would strike down Roe versus Wade. Such a ruling, he warned, would endanger other fundamental rights related to Americans' privacy. And a couple quick points to make. First of all, as you know, the fact that that got leaked is such an obvious, blatant effort to get this conversation going. But it also shows you that the whole thing is broken. Nothing means anything. Now we have rulings leaked before it even happens. I'm sure a thousand people have made this point. I don't even want to get into this discussion. The point is that in this, there's things that he's saying. First of all, recognize this. If that, if this goes the way, if, if these, if it, the ruling goes that this needs to go away, whether or not you agree with it, whether I agree with it, it's irrelevant. What they're mad about here is that the process is working the way that it's supposed to. That's, think about that. The only problem is they just don't like the way it's going. It's not like this is some kind of an illegal action. They're just ruling on something that they don't agree with. So the point is, if it ruled the way they like, well, they wouldn't have a problem with it. So it just shows you how childishly subjective this is. I'm not, again, I'm not even going to get into my opinion on this because it's irrelevant to the conversation right now. The bottom line is that what he's saying is that they're going to do something in the legal context, which is their job to do, which is what they're supposed to do. But because they're going in a direction that we don't agree with, that it's a big problem and it undermines our fundamental rights, our fundamental rights. So an abortion is a fundamental right now. Like these are just, they're all over the map. I mean, think about that because understand, don't, don't take that as an opinion on the conversation. The only reason I've got, I've, I've made my opinions clear on this before. I'm just not doing it now because it undermines the point I'm making. 
the bottom line is a fundamental right is something that's very clear. It can't be a fundamental right if it was. The bottom line is we're talking about something that breaks like freedom of speech, free free movement, your ability to. I, I could go off on the, the bottom line. Fundamental rights are pretty clear in my mind. People don't. There's plenty of people who don't agree with this. So how in the world could you just argue it's a fundamental right because what your your political side said so? So my point is that that's ridiculous. And on top of that, he points out that it relates to Americans' privacy. I mean, seriously? So the group right now that has never has made more strides in undermining American privacy than I've ever seen in the history of this country, and that's a big statement, and yet he's trying to make this discussion about un- related to America. I mean, I don't even think they realize how stupid they look. And this is not from a partisan standpoint. I even think people from their side are embarrassed about how this is. They're losing the plot here. But, well, that's just, uh, anyway, I don't want to get off on that more. So the point is the MAGA discussion is building the narrative for where this is going to go. And I feel it in my bones. Here's an old article that we posted. This is actually from Free Thought Project back when we were reposting a lot of stuff. Parents catch FBI in plot to force mentally ill son to be a right-wing terrorist. Suddenly, this feels far too relevant. Check it out for yourself. The point is, this is a real story. This is a, this is a severely mentally disabled person who, the story speaks for itself. They literally tricked into becoming a friend and tried to get him to take action. And I mean, this is what the FBI does, guys. They've been caught for this so many times. But now think about it. Why would they want him to be a right-wing terrorist? Why would they try to frame it this way? Think about where this has all been building. This is from 2018. It's not that long ago in the context of what they've been building since 1948, but now obviously 2014 forward. Interesting. I'll include this, read it for yourself, and then I'll include these in case you want to walk the path and realize that, that I've been laying out January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA grown Azov Battalion. Here's Whitney's great article, Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. This is like a Bible for where this is going. Like, make sure you read this information if you want to know what's really happening over there. Not just Azov. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. And, of course, my recent interview with Doug Valentine. The CIA's dark and criminal history in Ukraine and around the world. Man, he lays this down. I'm I hope I'm going to get him back. I really want to have him back on if he's up for it to talk about 2014 forward we had kind of planned to get into all of it but we ended up taking most of the time just getting over the background and i just thought it was so incredibly important to understand what the cia has done and what they continue to do the illegal and just rampantly lawless actions and how it's literally what they've been doing there and are still doing now it's public record for crying out loud and yet we still pretend like this is an organic situation really important for you to check out now I'm going to go through these points pretty quickly because I want to get right. I want to get into COVID. I've already been, as always, 40 minutes too long. So is escalation of Ukraine part of the U.S. strategy? The Guardian asks, or rather Adam Tooze asks, May 4th. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll settle it for you right now. Don't even worry about it. Yes, it is. Is escalation? Yes. <laughs> the whole thing is about escalation. Now, the point is, it says, the aim of the billions committed through the Lend and Lease Plan which now not only are they giving billions and billions and billions of dollars directly to the Ukrainian neo-Nazi entity controlled government, but on, they're going, well, on top of that, we're going to do, we're going to bring back the, the decades old lend to lease plan, which means we're going to give them free stuff and maybe they'll pay us back more out of your pocket. But they're, they're arguing it could tip the geopolitical balance. History may be about to repeat itself. You know why? Because this has happened before as most of these things have. 
The U.S. Congress has passed the Ukraine Democracy Defense Lend-Lease Act. God, they we are they think we are so stupid. I just don't believe anybody buys their BS anymore, guys. Defend democracy of Ukraine. They're a puppet government. It's the most obvious regime change coup carried out by U.S.-backed entities where even members of on their side openly discussed that they know it was U.S.-backed entities that shot people in Maidan Square. They framed the side they wanted out of the way. It's just embarrassing they continued this, this deception. But 2022 Lend-Lease Act to expedite more aid to Ukraine. More, but still going, right? $7 billion a month, sure, no problem. Americans can't feed their families and they can barely afford gas. And we're going to dump money as, I mean, at a higher rate than I've ever seen into the hands of very open extremists. The sums of money being contemplated in Washington are enormous, says The Guardian, because they are a total of $47 billion. Do you realize, okay, this is important to make a point on this, guys. Do you know how much it takes as the WHO has made clear roundly for years what it would take? Should we want to, to feed the world, to end world hunger? And I don't say that facetiously, guys. I literally mean to end world hunger, to make sure we can feed every single person that's food scarce, food insecure, who is starving. Do you know how much that would cost, according to WHO? $30 billion. Not a joke. So right this moment, the U.S. government, using the money, not saying they should, by the way, because I know people would, oh, that's my, whatever. The point is... They are dumping, they're discussing dumping $47 billion into the hands of neo-Nazi government in, in Ukraine. $30 billion of that could end world hunger. Let's have some perspective here. Do we need to see what's actually happening? Now, again, those numbers were for maybe, you know, years back. I'm sure it might be a little more now or whatever, but it's a general point. How about, let's just say $47 billion. Pretty clearly that could do the case. That could do the job. And also, just since I brought it up, don't forget that in this country, we throw away enough food every year to feed the rest of the world. I've also made that point many times. Not a joke. We throw away misshapen apples and bananas because they don't look good. Meanwhile, we're starving the planet and dumping bleach on it when it's in the dumpsters because they can't eat the food without paying for it. Disgusting. If it is approved by Congress, of course, on top of other Western aid, it will mean, that's on top, by the way, it will mean that we are financing nothing less than a total war. Thank God, finally, a piece of truth squeaks out from places like these disgusting Guardian and BBC and the ones that are lying to you about everything. The point is, guys, the U.S. government is literally funding from top to bottom this entire thing. Now, that doesn't mean they're not getting money and everything. I, I guess I should say that differently because there's money coming in from other places. But realize that if it wasn't for the U.S. government, this wouldn't be happening. Whether we're talking about the escalation, the building of the narrative, the poking of Russia and continuing to make this happen, or literally the funding itself that keeps this going. Lend-Lease was a wartime intervention. What made this so extraordinary is that at the moment the Lend-Lease program was launched back in March 1941, the U.S. was actually not in the war. Start to sound familiar. Lend-Lease, of course, was the decisive moment in which the U.S., while not a combatant, abandoned neutrality. Still sounds familiar. It forced jurists to come up with a new term to describe the stance that they took. This newly unique stance where they were clearly involved in the war, but didn't want to say that out loud. Sounds familiar. So they forced people to say something new. No, 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 no. You can't call this for what it is. You can't admit that we're in the war. You need to call a stance non-belligerence. 
So even then, making up definitions to meet what they're doing. In broader terms, it marked the emergence of the United States as the hegemon. Hegemony, right? That they are the person that are, they're the ones controlling things, moving the pieces by acting like we're just a, a you know, conscientious objector watching things happen. And, you know, no, they are the ones actually controlling what's happening. Now, that doesn't mean all encompassing entirely, but influencing, driving, and possibly controlling in many cases. It's hegemony, guys. That's what this is. And that's the thing they're trying to, it's not about freedom and democracy. It's about control and a lot of other more nefarious things. But it says for better and for worse, it remains today. Even the Guardian admitting that the U.S. government is a hegemony. Or is that the right way to say that? Is a hegemony? Is, they, their rule is about control, guys. And we have to see that. But here it goes on to say, presumably the narrative is sustained by the promise that a good war fought against an evil regime right, like you're six years old, will be won through the generous sponsorship of the United States. That's how they really want to frame it. And even the Guardian's going to go, but <laughs> not true to complete that narrative. It's interesting they're calling this out. You have to keep winding the clock forward from Lend-Lease in March to the Atlantic Charter in August 1941 and by December to Pearl Harbor and the U.S. entry into the war. Now, don't miss that relevance. What they're making, I'll, let me finish the, you'll see when I finish the paragraph, providing aid to both China and the British Empire, Lend-Lease was a crucial step in turning what was originally a separate Japanese war on China and a German war in Europe suddenly into a world war, which do not miss the relevance of what that then led to in regard to Dr. Ishii from Japan, the Project Paperclip with the Nazi scientists in the United States right to now think about that so was that part was that plan was it organized the bottom line you could ask all you should ask all these questions but what it shows you is the lend lease program which they just or they're talking about initiating for ukraine was the very reason not only this turned into a global war but that the u.s ended up going into that war manufacturing the reality so just that's where this is going to go i believe that's the very, they act like the forlorn hero that, no, we won't want to go, but we have to for freedom. And they'll push into the war, which, by the way, it's their war and they're already in it. If the U.S. Congress is now launching a new Lend-Lease program, the question of whether escalation is part of the plan must come into consideration. The answer is yes. Now, on fake news, here's another interesting point. If somebody, this is, again, these are just, these, this, Please start, please using the hashtag Ukraine says every, this, what the, that should be response to If they don't know, and all they're hearing is a mayor in the Ukraine says this and everybody's parroting it. You're an idiot. I mean, it's gonna, right over the top. That's stupid. You don't know for sure that's happening. So why in the world would you share it? Because it's your side, because you have a flag in your icon. Like that's it's, this is where we are right now. But here's the, here's the claim. And this person says they are really increasing science fiction stories. Now, let's be clear. This could be true. We don't know that. And you, all you get is narrative coming from Ukraine. But here's what it says. Another horrible story from the Kiev region. Russians killed a woman. They then tied her live child to the dead corpse, put a bomb between them. When rescue workers tried to save the child, the mind detonated. The story was confirmed by Ministry of Defense. <laughs> Great. So Ukraine says, got it. Got it. You know, you mean the same way that Ukraine continued to scream that the ghost of Kiev was real? Oh, that too? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ukraine said right up until they admitted it was fake. It's ridiculous, guys. 
I, I mean, this I've never seen any more. I mean, even the U.S. government admitted you're in an information war. They're lying to you for that information war. So, too, is Ukraine. So, too, is Russia, for that matter. But it's amazing. that they, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty ridiculous story. Why in the world would they do that? I'm not going to say that if there wasn't a reason that any government would be capable of some pretty horrible, horrible things. Just take a quick glance at what happened in Iraq. But it just seems ridiculous. But at the end of the day, you didn't prove it. And here's my point. Thank you, Ukrainian incubator. <laughs> I love the name. Ukrainian incubator, baby. He says, tag them. Ukraine says, good man. Now, here is the thread. You can look through if you'd like to see how out, out of the people getting ridiculous in their arguments to say fake news. And then when it comes out very clearly from every possible angle that this guy was made up, they all run fleeing and block me, <laughs> which is what happened here. So my point was these people don't care. As I, I, you can read it for yourself. These people don't care about the truth, right? If you're going to block the person once you find out you're wrong, then the truth wasn't even in the conversation. It was about being right, about being the, your political side. Now, here is some more information. Let me go through this quickly. I forgot. So the, here's some information about what's actually continuing to happen. And it is everywhere if you care to actually look. 80 Russian-speaking Ukrainians were rescued from a Russian-liberated Azovstal factory and were helped into buses by the DPR soldiers. They were then taken to humanitarian centers in Donetsk, set up by the DPR and ICRC. Now, you can... now. Watch this for yourself. You can watch as they're given food and taken care of, and they talk to people and let them know. Could it be fake? Sure. They could fake anything. Anything could be fake these days. But it just so happens to align with the endless stream of videos, the thousands upon thousands of videos of people like this coming from lots of different people, including Patrick Lancaster and Eva Bartlett and plenty of others on the ground, plenty of other independent outlets finding the same thing. Oh, they raped you while you were there. Oh, they robbed you. They stole you. They took your child. They start. They wouldn't let you have water. They shoved you in a basement and beat you up. Weird how that aligns with literally everything we're hearing, other than what the you the government or the corporate media tells you they're supposed to say. It makes me sick that these people have to suffer, and as they're suffering, they're called the liars. By it's the same reason, or the same way you they call, let's say Palestinians, for example. You're the terrorist while you're the one being subjugated, attacked in an apartheid state that every human rights organization says is happening. But you're still a terrorist because the U.S. government says. You know what that does? It literally creates people that are extreme because they're watching their families get killed and nobody cares about it. And then you call them a terrorist. It's interesting and sad. But you can watch, you can read this for yourself. Uh, same person here referencing different points about. We actually actually discussed this exact story about Azov Battalion setting up fires or different things on the roof, or in this case, a bucket where it's meant to look like a, re- a person. So they attack that building and there's civilians in the bottom that they put there, right? I mean, this, it's, it's incredible. Here is, a, uh, I'll, I'll let you watch these for yourself. Here's a video by Patrick Lancaster where a, a rocket has hit a major oil plant killing a civilian. And all these are coming from the direction of, of Ukrainian firing. Could it be Russia firing to blame them? Sure, it could be. But I would I need evidence to make that claim like an honest person would. The bottom line is there is endless amounts of evidence about lies about Bucha, about Mariupol, about the uh, Kramastork rail station attack. Or I mean, all of them goes to Kiev on and on and on. I actually think that's what Scott and I are going to talk about tomorrow. It'll ultimately be up to him. I, but I think we're going to talk about the for his the rebunked all the stuff in Ukraine that has been claimed and then. You know, that we say fake, they debunk what we're saying, and then fight gets rebunked, <laughs> comes back that, oh, oops, Ghost of Kiev was real, you know, that kind of stuff. 
plenty of it. You should watch. Keep an eye on Patrick Lancaster's channel. Schools continue to be targeted in this is it's confusing the way this reads. It, it's in Russia, Ukraine war attacks. The way I read that, I'm like, in Russia? That's crazy. I thought people were they were bombing into Russia. But the point is, this is in the Donetsk territory, Donetsk territory. And it's another school. He talks to the lady on the ground who said admits that where it came from was the direction of the Ukrainian people. I mean, it's just it never ends. You can he, she, he verifies who this person is, her name, the school, her like it's all right there, guys. This stuff is verifiable. You don't get this from the corporate media. And if you do, you get people that work for the USAID, like in Mariupol. Now, here's Eva Bartlett pointing out more horrific things that are happening. Yesterday in Rubazine, a city recently liberated by the uh, the LPR, the Lukansk area of the Donbass region and Russian forces, yet still under shelling by Ukrainian forces. 1.5 kilometers from the school, sheltering displaced residents, mostly elderly. And they're bombing directly in this area when they know that's the case. Crosses mark new graves to bury those killed by Ukrainian shelling. Now, you can choose to doubt this, and you, you should question it like anything. Anything could be manipulated. She could be think she's telling the truth, and she could be manipulated. My point is that there's nobody, in my opinion, that has more integrity out there than people like Eva Bartlett, you know, or, or Patrick Lancaster, or people like Vanessa Bealey. There's plenty of them out there that have, in my opinion, incredibly high levels of integrity that only do what they think is right. Now, that's my opinion. I'm not asking you to believe that, but I'm asking you to realize that these people are out there risking their lives to show you what they think is happening, to show you what they see on the ground. Look at it, consider it, especially those that are only taking the corporate media. It's challenging everything you're seeing as she completely destroyed the graves discussion, right? The mass graves in Mariupol that then CNN in Portugal quietly admitted weren't real and they all just moved past it. Yeah, that's how that works because they're liars. Now you can read this for yourself. As she says here, you can see the destruction was on that side. Zelensky calls them protectors. They destroy the city. These so-called protectors think that all the real inhabitants have left the city and anybody that chose to stay are now just combatants. You know who also makes an argument like that? The U.S. government. Remember Obama's drone campaigns where they said, oh, and by the way, it went past Obama, but this is where it came out, where they go, oh, well, we're bombing that area. So therefore, anybody in that area is considered a combatant. Like that little child she was carrying? Yeah, that's a combatant. That's how that works. And it has worked. They dictate an area as a combatant area. Therefore, anybody they're bombing in it becomes a combatant. What, that's, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what's happening here. The Azov Battalion just going, well, we're, if they didn't leave, well, they chose the Russians, so we're going to kill them too. That's who these people are. And she's proving this on the ground like everything else we're talking about. Here's another point. Inside former Adar Nazi factions alive and brutal in Ukraine, this prison, a region now secured by the Lukans People's Republic, former prisoners under the control of Ukraine, spoke of, by the way, exactly... Let me see if I can grab this real quick. O-C-S-E-E-S. Damn. O-S, there it is. This document, you should read. This is during... This is April 2016. This is during the U.S.-controlled government of Ukraine, where they came out and talked about... I mean, this guy... The picture itself, you can see, is from a person who was killed. Tortured to death by SBU officers. Read it for yourself. I've gone over this in a previous show. The point is, these are the same people we're talking about. Prisoners who were rescued by uh, Donbass and Russian forces spoke of torture, rape, mock executions, prison formerly under the control of Ukraine, now the West bastion of democracy and freedom. She's, making, she's you know, facetiously saying that. The point is, these people are all saying the same thing. It's becoming impossible to miss. 
Now, last point. This is just so ridiculous to me. Apparently, the Western media just came up, just decided to be like, oh, I bet you Russia declares war on May 9th because of the May, the, the May 9th victory parade. Just literally out of nowhere, completely out of whole cloth. There's nothing to back it up. And everyone's saying it, all the Western press, to the point to where they're going, oh, well, now Russia denies the guess. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. My point here is it's dumb. And this is the, how stupid corporate media is. But get one more point that if this actually happens and Russia just does declare war on the May, on May 9th, this is going to scream to me that they are, to some degree, there's more coordination here than we realize. There is no reason whatsoever. Let's just say Russia was deciding that they, had, they were going to declare war on May 9th, which I don't even know why they would even do that, even if they were going to just keep pretending it's what you want it to be, right? That's what they're all doing. Governments lie. But even if it was planned for May 9th, why would they do it after the U.S. makes a big stink about it and they deny it and then they do it anyway? That, mark my words, if Russia does do that, it's going to speak volumes to me. But we'll wait and see. Right now, it just speaks to the stupidity of corporate media of creating a story out of nothing. But keep in mind where this all ultimately goes. Here's foreign policy or foreign affairs. The war in Ukraine calls for a reset of Biden's foreign policy. Oh, how interesting. America can't support democracy only when it's convenient. <laughs> yeah, that's literally all they do. And it's not democracy they're supporting. It's the inverse. But let's not talk about that. Point is, this is when you read this, it's more about, you know, as Liz Truss says, the invasion of Ukraine is a paradigm shift on the scale of 9-11. Of course, of course, it's about a reset, guys, about resetting everything. All of this is being triggered in the same way. And now we're going to get into COVID-19 and make that clear. And we'll finish with the focus on where this goes in the Great Reset direction. All of it's happening. It's just using different arguments from different levels to make the argument for why we need to recreate everything. Now, breaking news. Nine hours ago, CNN reports about 14.9 million worldwide have died, either directly or indirectly, whatever that means, from COVID-19. Nearly three times more deaths than reported. WHO data suggests. My God, these people have gotten so far. I don't even know if they realize how how ridiculous the reporting looks. Like, first of all, in what time frame? Like, do we look back on on anything? Polio, swine flu, Ebola, and do we just map out the total number of the process of its existence? Apparently, we're going to do that with COVID forever. Now we're up to 30, 107 million. Like, okay, so for 10 years, from 10 years from now, we're going to have a running total of COVID-19. I mean, it's just, it becomes meaningless. On top of that, indirectly. So, so what people that like, you know what they're, what they want you to think. So they get COVID-19 and then they die from cancer, from, you know, from something else that COVID-19 caused, which first of all, is not really easy to prove. We just went over the whole flu deception with pneumonia which I'll make a quick point again in a moment. So they make anything. If you if you told you have COVID with a faulty with a PCR test that gives you rampant false positives and then die of anything that could be even indirectly connected to that, they'll call that that. So first of all, that number is ridiculous. On top of that, this is just their data and what they're suggesting is connected. And this is news. It's just completely abstract. We know this is faulty. We know for a fact that number is not accurate. But, what does it say? WHO has it on their page, too. I don't know what that's relating to. But 
it's interesting to see that this is driving. They, they're bringing this back up. Why? Because this is, guys, this is coming back. Now, here was the show where I got into this. Right here is the point. The, the show title was 35 Nation Mass Study. Right here, we get into the discussion of the CDC death reporting deception. So here's the links for it if you want to check that out. These are always in, consecu- in, in chronological order, so you could check them out on the show. But the point was that we get into the discussion about how Huffington Post back then was calling it out. So was the BMJ. So was the WHO. So was the HHS. They're all calling out the fact that the CDC was lying about the death numbers, saying, why in the world are you conflating flu with pneumonia and claiming that all of these deaths happen when 90 percent of them are pneumonia and you could only prove 18 of the entire year that were flu? Nobody seemingly cared. They got rid of all those people and we're still doing it today. Think about how that works. Now, we'll come back to that in a minute. My point was that that's how stupid that is, that we're just talking about these death numbers when we know they've conflated flu, pneumonia, with COVID-19. It's called PIC. I just showed you. Pneumonia, influenza, and COVID-19. It's a a joined number. It's been that way from the beginning. Now, before we get to that, let's talk about the pandemic of the vaccinated, pandemic of the injected, rather. We've been railing on this for so long, and it's so damn obvious. That's why we force Scotland and the UK Health Security Agency to censor these things, right? These are things they put out to say, look at how safe this is. And then we started going, but that's not what it shows. And they go, you're too dumb to know. We're going to censor that. (laughs) If it was showing you how safe it was, they wouldn't have pulled it away. Simple as that. Here's the defender discussing, did Moderna, specifically their trial, predict the pandemic of the vaccinated? So here's the, I just want to read you this one point. The new study, which I include right here for you to check out, we've, we've actually pointed this already. A new study suggests recipients of Moderna's COVID vaccine may be more likely to suffer repeated infections. If, I mean, how many times have you heard this from us? Perhaps indefinitely. Whether we're talking about the, the increased risk of infection from what that does to your immune system, or whether we're just simply talking about the fact that this thing hurt, is creating a situation in your body that makes you more susceptible to injections. It's just, it's incredibly obvious this is doing lots of damaging things to your body. The study, still in preprint, of course, found participants in Moderna's adult trial who received the vaccine and were later exposed to the virus, then did not generate antibodies to a key component of the virus as often as it did in those in the placebo group. Simply put, people that did not have the injection generated more antibodies. How many times have we heard that? We just played the Bauer discussion where he says that they had less antibodies after the Pfizer injection, but this is Moderna. Same, we're seeing similar things. The author's findings, which are co- corroborated by UK data that demonstrate the rate of infection are significantly higher in the vaccinated. How is this even still happening? Suge- they suggest that Moderna knew of the safety signal. So it's just like Pfizer did, we're finding out with their data dumps. They knew this in 2020 when the vaccine maker was conducting the trials and they made sure you didn't know. We are watching the biggest and pretty, I mean, I, this guys, this is bigger than nine 11 where this is incredible to watch how many people have been hurt by this. This is one of the largest criminal con- act criminal conspiracies in ever that I've seen. And it is coming out. The question is whether it will ever change. I mean, for crying out loud, we know nine 11 was a lie. We know the JFK situation. I mean, they've basically admitted this stuff and yet nothing has ultimately happened. So I'm not too, positive on the possibility that something will actually happen but nonetheless the information's coming out so it's it's very crazy to see 
Now, here's something that somebody pointed out to add to that point from CDC's own data. Here's the comment they put out, some guy. In 2021, a lot of people were vaccinated. Oh, you know what? I don't, oh, I think that's a fake email. I hope it is. I didn't mean to, to broadcast this email. In 2021, a lot of people were vaccinated and yet more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. Here's the point he links to, he points out. This is their highlighting. I don't know what that's. He says, other leading cause of death maintain the same ranking. Anyway, so here's what it says right here. Well, was that relevant? Let me see. Pneumonia. Well, not to the point we're at right now. But so it says, in the, the year 2021, when there was all sorts of injections flying around, saw the highest death rate since 2003. Huh. Well, that's interesting. With increases in many leading causes of death. Now, of course, they're going to pretend that's because of the, which is interesting. This is what I point out when they lie they contradict other lies because when you lie about everything, you can't step in any direction without contradicting something. So at this point, they're screaming, lockdowns work and they save everybody. And when you get into like the the repercussions of the lockdowns of why they're actually more damaging, they'll call you a fake news conspiracy theorist. But here they're going to argue, well, leading cause of death because of lockdowns and because they couldn't get to the hospitals. And Well, yeah. You mean the thing you just called us conspiracy theorists? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they love to point it out when it works for their point. The bottom line is this is because of the injection. This is because of their action. This is because of their solution. But do not miss the fact that the death rate was exponentially higher when they were given the thing that was supposed to save people and make this go away, including COVID-19 and unintentional injuries. Although COVID-19 death rates decrease for people, specifically people, and I don't even know how this is possible, but we'll get into that at a different point. De- the death rates decrease for persons equal to or over 85. I was thinking about how is that even possible with all of the nursing homes and that being like the centralized point. But I, if they're ever, I don't even know why you would trust anything coming from these absolute deceivers. But even then, here's what they state. Eight, and, and then age groups less than 75 saw large increases from 2020 to 2021. So explain for me how people that are there's injections flying around, there's lockdowns, there's masks, and most categories saw an increase in death. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, there's just far too many levels of this that are beginning. Now, could it be something else? Yes, because we're always honest enough to tell you that. But every part of this coming together, it this is impossible to ignore. Then we get to the Pfizer data. And I just want to point this to where I first, this person tweeted this and... <clears throat> My point to you guys, I want to give you a quick kind of just general understanding of what's being released in here. But my point was, as I was diving through all this, I'm like, geez, this is a, I could do an entire show as I've had, I've done in the past, going over the documents and highlighting stuff and breaking up. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm going through it. I'm like, my God, we've already talked about all of this. We've already proven all of this with other scientific studies, with other information from their own previous trial stuff they've admitted. So I started getting frustrated by it. I'm like, why are we taking so much time on this? Now, let me clear, as I said before, this is monumentally important. It shows you they're grudgingly admitting what they tried to withhold, and it's proving what we're saying. But why is it not breaking through? Because interestingly enough, it seems like they're almost intended to just overwhelm people, just dump endless amounts of information while the entire corporate media points in a different direction. And as we're waving our arms and screaming and proving, I mean, like, as we've already done, and we also didn't get attention then, not just us, but everybody, I think they just hope this continues to fizzle out. That's kind of what I feel is happening right now. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't point at it. But I want people to see that we've already gone into this. Now, also realize that you simply search for the basic 
Pfizer released 80,000 pages. Guess what? Shocker. Literally nothing shows up other than the tweet and an old, uh, which is weird. This says two days ago, but you look at it and it's from January 7th. <laughs> what? And it's not, a, it's not about this. It's judge ordering the. So this is aggressively cultivated because it's out there. Trust me. Now this one, I forget what this one was. Oh, it's a, it's a thread talking about it, right? So, but there's no links. There's no data. It's not there. How is that even possible? You know, this is being talked about everywhere. The point is Google is aggressively censoring the information. This is where we live in a controlled world. This is the technocratic future. Now here is a breakdown I was able to find. People sent it to me on Discord and everywhere else of the information. Weirdly enough, some of these don't seem to work right now. They're even saying they had an issue because they're working on restoring them all. So maybe they're being attacked. I don't know. But some of them do work. And I have a couple of them pulled up. But I, from what I can tell, this seems to be the lo- most of it. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. That's my point. Look at this, guys. They're 10 pages full of you know, 238 documents. Of, and they're all, I mean, it's, it's meant to bog you down. And, and even when you find the stuff, we're like, look at that. And everyone's like, ah, conspiracy theory. You know, it's, it's interesting. Again, don't, don't, I'm not saying it's not important. I find it to be monumentally important. But as somebody pointed out in the Discord, just a quick glance of one of the pages to look at. Page 30 on the, here, let me go to one real quick so you can see what it's called. The Cumulative Analysis of Post-Authorization Adverse Events Report. This one is specifically from April 30th, 2021. Right, so this is an older one in general, but I wanted to point out something he showed me. Oh, here, let's go back down to here that we've already seen from before. Now, when this first came out, even before that, by the way, even I think they did one in twenty. They're like right in the beginning. They screamed that this was oh, it's hypothetical, it's not real. Well, guess what, guys? This has just been confirmed by everything we're seeing in the the eighty thousand page dumps, and before that as well. We're seeing the list of. Adverse events, which is astronomical, not shown, not just to be, you know, hypothetical possibilities. We're finding this to be what they knew is possible. Now, just for the podcast, it's ridiculous. But for those on the screen, for those watching the show, this right here, list of adverse events. Take a look at this. It's alphabetical order. Now, remember my point about how many super rare problems can you put in a big pile before collectively they're no longer super rare? Well, I think we've seen, I think we've met that, right? I think we're staring at that. Every single one of these things can be very serious. And every single one of them are things that you shouldn't have to deal with, or you shouldn't have to potentially have as a side effect by something they're telling you is completely safe and effective. That is absolutely crazy. Now, Going to the next part, here is just a couple of points that are very clear. Now, again, we've shown you all this stuff. This one is just a general <clears throat> general overview. Fatal, 1,223. <clears throat> now, look at the numbers here. Collectively adding this up. Now, you could say, you could, you, like, let's just say it was 100,000. It's not. You know, you're looking at 20, 30, you know, 40,000-ish. The point is, if it, even if it was 100,000, having 1,223 fatal outcomes after giving the injection to 100,000 people would be so incredibly dangerous, it would not be allowed to be used. But we're staring at that number right now. Way higher than that. 
So why weren't we told about this? In fact, when you actually look at this document at the bottom, it says that uh, we find it to be a favorable safety profile. That's all you get. This is what they knew and hid from you. And it gets way more than that. Here's just somebody pointing out. Finally, we have the evidence how Pfizer came to calculate the 95% efficacy. Real efficacy is likely only 19%. No, it's way more, less than that. We already showed you. It's relative, absolute. But they're admitting this stuff now. We are watching the breakdown and they misrepresented this. This is why they dragged their feet with the data. This is why they pooped out information and let the media flood. So you got confused or whoever did get confused. Look, you can look these over for yourself. Here's what somebody sent them discord from one of the things that stated pregnancy cases, 274, 270 mother cases and four baby fetuses, baby cases representing 270 unique pregnancies. The, uh, the four fetus baby cases were linked to three mother cases. One mother involved twins. Pregnancy outcomes for 270 pregnancies reported on spontaneous abortion, 23. Outcome pending, five. Premature birth with neonatal death. Spontaneous abortion with intravene, intra, intrauterine death, two. Spontaneous abortion with neonatal death and normal outcome, one. No outcome was provided for 238 pregnancies. Oh, that's great. So we don't know. How much you want to bet they don't follow up? We've already actually pointed this out. The point is this stuff's been there, guys. We have shown you all of this. So if you want to dive into it for yourself, again, there's the document. I'm not, I, I recommend you do. And if you find something important, you let me know. I'll make sure I point it out. But realize that almost all of this has been shown, not just by real world information that's fleshed out because of what they're doing, but by information that we already have accessible to us. Now here's Sam points out a rise in excess death is all too common theme occurring around the world. Gee, I wonder what could be causing that. Now watch this graph. Greece, vaccine doses administered. Watch the graph. For those in the podcast, it's a, an increasing graph that shows you how this the, the excess deaths is increasing despite the fact that they're claiming to do things that are making it better for you. Masks and lockdowns and vaccines and, and Paxlovid and everything else. It's, oh, it's only getting worse. Well, seems to be what the data shows you too. So why aren't they telling you that? Now, that's what's called correlation. Certainly could be something else, right? But any honest person, any honest health official, any honest investigator, any honest detective, anybody that's even caring to find out why would this would trigger an investigation. How do you not recognize if your excess mortality is almost exactly in line with as the, the increase is going up almost exactly with the increase of doses? I mean, it is pretty obvious that there's something to be looked into. At the very least, you should damn well be the, it should be the most, the highest priority of the day to make sure that's not because of the thing you're making people take. But nope, they will never do that. Because now at the very, even if they weren't, even if they were deceived to begin with, these people are well aware that they did something that they could go to jail for. 
I'm talking about the ones that may not be had been aware they were doing it that way and are now going, oh, wow. Okay, well, I definitely can't go back on this now. Here is a Paul, Paul Dooling points out data from the last report published, which was February, which we already went over, but I wanted to reiterate this because, by the way, Scotland removed the data. You are no longer able to see this information because this is the last one that it showed you. Look at what it showed you. Just look up the last report we did on this. It's it, it's down in the down in the transcript, the archives on the on lastamericanvagabond.com. 87.9% of COVID deaths at this time of the report in February vaccinated. 85.2% of all COVID hospitalizations vaccinated. 84% of all COVID positive tests vaccinated. 76% of Scotland population that is vaccinated. 76%. And yet that's what you're seeing. Almost 90% of deaths. This has never, ever been, I've never seen anything more obvious than this. And all they're telling you is, nope, you don't understand, right? What you, when you see most everyone vaccinated being the ones dying, that's because it's working. As much as that sounds stupid, they, oh, oh, okay, okay, explain it to me. Well, here's why. Okay, got it. Even though it literally contradicts what you think, everything that makes sense. People are so desperate to think that they did the right thing, they will buy anything. But I think most people aren't buying it. Health Canada just published their COVID dashboard. As Sheldon points out, 99.96% of the COVID deaths in the last one week period were injected. 70% of them had their booster. Any questions? Only one single death over seven days was unvaccinated. Now you can read the thread. The links are in the show notes. It's all right there for you. It just, I mean, just, I mean, almost like, okay, this is just one more point in a endless stream of things we've already verified to using data elsewhere. Not, I'm just, not that I'm, this is important. I'm going to keep following this, but the bottom line is guys, this is stuff that we've already made clear and not just me, but plenty of other people out there doing the same thing. Now, finally, FDA limiting the use of Johnson and Johnson's COVID vaccine due to what? Oh, blood clot risk. Oh, you, the, the thing that we were literally censored for aggressively in actually discussing Johnson and Johnson at the time. That was the Patreon censorship, both for Whitney and myself, around this exact conversation. And now, two and a half years later, oh, you ne- we're limiting the use. Oh, go ahead and still use it, but just less. These are disgusting human beings that are well aware of what they're doing. I just don't know how that's not possible. But, oh, so it can cause blood clots. Okay, but we're going to still give it to people. We're going to allow them to mix and match. We're going to pretend like this is a one-shot difference for the two, and you can give it to children. All of that's still happening. What does it even mean to limit its use? Makes me sick. It's all coming out. Now let's talk about Paxlovid. Yeah, the, the knockoff ivermectin pill that's supposed to change everything, even though ivermectin was clearly better than what they were discussing. Well, let's watch what even the Yahoo News had to say about this. Speaking oh. of the pandemic, um, Saz, there's one more stock I want to check on that was sort of a late entrant, if you will, in our movers that we were watching this morning. And that is Pfizer. The stock is down some 2% late on Friday. Woohoo! Uh, Pfizer came out with some study results for Paxlovid. Now, that is its pill that currently is out there to treat COVID-19. Remember, uh, the vice president, Kamala Harris, received it after she was diagnosed with COVID. You know what's really funny, by the way? It's not necessarily to treat. I mean, I guess 
even ivermectin, it's more about, I, it just seems it's weird the way they're covering that in general, as it says in preventative therapy, it's an early treatment kind of thing. But I don't know, it, it's interesting to see the way they frame this, but yeah, I'll keep going. I always stop these. Um, and they're trying to get it out there more broadly. However, it might not be effective as a preventative measure. That's according to. <laughs> oh, you mean it might not be protected, might not be protected or uh, effective at, in the ver in the only thing you need it for. So it's a preventative therapy that might not be good as preventative therapy, but we still want to use it though. I mean, you literally, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I'm not even making that up guys. That's still, they're still using this and it literally fails the trial about whether or not it can do the thing it's supposed to do. And yet we're still discussing it as a possible treatment. We live in a clown world. The Vice President Kamala Harris received it after she was diagnosed with COVID um, and they're trying to get it out there more broadly. However, it might not be effective as a preventative measure. That's according to uh, the study results that the company released on Friday. The drug failed to reach its main goal of reducing risk for adults who were exposed to coronavirus, either from... A, a so what's the alternative? Like, what's the other thing it does then? That's the only thing this does in regard to what we're discussing. And the whole point, just like with ivermectin, is it's not necessarily effective once you're already sick. Like, in, in, I, I mean, they're the very ones that made the argument about how that can actually be detrimental, whether or not it's even true. The bottom line is it's like they're challenging their own discussion. The point is this is not working. It doesn't work. Shocker. It's sort of like when they try to just make a pill, Mariol, or uh, I forget the name now. In the, generally in the chat, if you remember the name of that THC pill they tried to make, which hurt people. Why? Because they made a pill where they tried to isolate the one thing and they jammed it up with garbage and it hurt people. Because cannabis is a natural substance that's very, very positive for you in a lot of different ways. And it's meant to work together with the CBDs and the different, the different chemicals within it. It's called the entourage effect. You, I have an article I wrote about it on the website. That's when you, even, even when you just take CBD, for instance, it has a beneficial effect, but it's supposed to work together with the THC. It creates an effect that you're, 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 it's amazing. It's unlike anything else in the world. It creates a system where it actually increases your immune system and the way your body functions and your brain's the processes. It's crazy. Look it up. It's called the entourage effect. The point is that when you do something like this, when they, they take this one thing, it's, it's just not it, ivermectin is what they tried to make from this. It's, they are, it's, that's what we called it. Pfizer mectin and it's failing. And yet still they will ignore what we're going to show you right after this, which is what ivermectin is still capable of having a close contact. For example, it didn't significantly reduce the risk of them actually contracting it. So just like you know, the Pfizer <laughs> has been trying to sort of extend and, and milk this the coronavirus revenue for all it was worth. This is one way it looks like that may not be happening. Uh, How funny is that? Even the corporate media is like, yeah, they're pretty gross. Pfizer's pretty disgusting, right? They're just milking this thing for all it's worth. That's their perception. I thought they were saving the world. Right. I mean, if even the corporate media is being to look at them like some slimy group that's just like squeezing money out of this, <laughs> I, I, it's just strange how things are happening today, but it's interesting and it's failing and yet still being used. Don't know how that makes sense. But going back to this, let's actually look at the thing that does work. Well, for actually, first of all, here's a Defender article on a similar discussion about the pill, but it's weird how it correlates with exactly what Moderna's trial just as we just discussed. Here's what it says. This is from today. Responding to reports of patients relapsing after completing a five-day course of Paxlovid. Right. So people that literally take this and then get COVID-19. Now, are they relapsing or are they getting COVID-19? 
Like that's a strange thing to see. You don't get ivermectin doesn't cause people to get sick after they take it in the context of actually getting the thing that's supposed to work. I mean, what you're seeing here is the thing you're taking to stop COVID is causing COVID or at the very least allowing it to flourish in your body. Now you could argue that ivermectin could hurt you in some ways, which I mean, any of these can have negative side effects, but in no case have I ever seen, and I've read the studies where ivermectin like causes you to then get COVID-19 afterward or whatever you're getting for. So this is strange, if not the way it's supposed to work, right? I'm a conspiracy theorist. Responding to reports of patients relapsing after completing the five-day course of Paxlovid, Pfizer CEO Alberta Borla actually suggested that patients just simply take more of it, <laughs> prompting a rebuke from even the FDA. They're, they're eating themselves alive right now. I think it's really a matter of who's going to get the, who's going to end up the one thrown under the bus. That's where it seems to be going. But it says National Institute of Health, NIH, uh, researchers said they will investigate. Oh, great. The NIH is stepping up to investigate something that they're a part of. How often and why coronavirus levels rebound in some patients who complete the very thing they're taking to stop the thing. So it's, it's hilarious to me. COVID-19 antiviral pill, Paxlovid. John Farley, MD, director of the Office of Infectious Diseases in the FDA, updates on Paxlovid for healthcare providers. He wrote, quote, there is no evidence of benefit at this time for a longer course of treatment. No benefit. Or repeating a treatment course for Paxlovid in patients with recurring, recurrent COVID-19 symptoms following completion of the treatment course. So first of all, the, we're, what we just discussed, because these are separate things, it's not working. That's one thing. It's not doing, it failed the trial to prevent or help anybody in the context of COVID-19. Then what he's saying over here is after that treatment, what, however that goes, there's no evidence that it's, there's a benefit to doing it more. Well, if it's not working, that's obvious. But for him to go, just take more of it. He steps up and goes, no, 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 don't do that. So this thing should be removed immediately. It failed. It's not working. The FDA said, don't take even more of it. And yet we won't even discuss ivermectin. We can't even talk about vitamin C or vitamin D because we're crazy conspiracy theorists. Yet they're still using something that doesn't even work that even the FDA said stop. Yeah, that's where we are. By the way, in case you didn't see this, Motherboard tweeted, actually, this is the first one. That's out of order. Motherboard tweeted, uh, misoprostol is relatively easy to acquire from veterinary sources. Like you'd almost think this was like Babylon B. Since, in addition to medically inducing abortions, it's also used to treat ulcers in horses. Great. Anarchist Collective shares instructions to make abortion pills. Look at that. So just trot over to your nice veterinary store and get some horse abortion pills. That's okay. Nothing weird about that. You're not going to, you're not going to see the, uh, oh, I should have had that up. I just love the way she says this. It's so stupid. Oh, wait, that's weird. Maybe I deleted it. Anyway, the warrior goes, get horse paste. That, what's her name from that one channel? I wanted to show that, actually, if I can find that. It's just, it's just kind of embarrassing. That is, did I misspell it? Oh, I did. That's weird. I misspelled ivermectin. Here it is. So things are clearly bad. But they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. And that was a lie, right? They lied about the story. They faked the news, of course, as they tend to do. And they showed a picture of people lining up for shots and pretended it was gunshot wounds that were waiting because people were in the hospital for horse paste. 
It was, it was a completely fabricated story. Now, is there people out there that took that and got, I mean, the point is it's, it's, it's like taking your dog's antibiotics or something, right? I'm not recommending you go do any of that, but the point is it's the same thing, guys. It is the same thing at different doses used on different people. They want you to think, you don't know, don't take that his prescription because it could be the same pill he got, the same pill they give elsewhere, guys. It's ridiculous. They pretend it's different. So when you go and take something from a, the horse paste ivermectin, I'm not saying you go do that, but the point is it's still ivermectin, right? So if you got sick, it's because probably normal side effects of things that could potentially do that. Anyway, the bottom line is, Back to the point. So it's okay. Corporate media says it's okay because we we agree with abortions. It's okay to take horse medication to in to create an abortion. Like that's wildly dangerous. It sounds like, but that's okay. Flashback to uh, the 20, 2021, Same motherboard group says Rogan has recovered from COVID and used his first show back to spread misinformation about how to the horse deworming drug he took. Which, by the way, is absolutely fact factless. They are liars or child or incapable of doing any research because Joe Rogan got prescribed ivermectin directly from a hospital from his doctor. Not a horse deworming drug because these people are children and they don't even know what they're talking about. My point is, think about how dumb that is. That's the same thing. Nothing means anything. They only care about politics, guys. Now, by the way, I'll include this yet again. September 2021, ivermectin, a multifaceted drug of Nobel Prize honor distinction against COVID-19. And of course, down here it talks about since March 2020, when ivermectin was first used against COVID-19, which it has been, more than 20 random controlled trials have tracked the inpatient treatments. The bottom line is right, it says right down here, the most important one anyway. In Peru, excess deaths fell by mean of 74%. That's an average of 74% over 30 days in its 10 different states. Now, it goes on to be so much more than that. There's six different studies up here that talk about random controlled trials and notable reductions of COVID-19. It's undeniable. And, and there's I could show you 45 studies in a row, but here's the last most recent one. Ivermectin shows a literal antiviral effect according to a Japanese study. Who cares, right? Because fake news. At Meanwhile, take this pill that literally just doesn't work <laughs> and will hurt you possibly. But finally, to wrap up with a the pandemic of the or the, the pandemic treaty discussion, which is where and then the kind of great reset and where this is all going. I found this to be really revealing because, guys, this is the world they've already built that you're already stuck in. Now, if they had told you in the beginning, we're going to track all your phones to make sure you do what you're told, we, people would lose their minds. Looking back on it, it's as if, well, well, COVID and those damn conservatives weren't doing what they were told, right? You see how this all works. It all flows together. The CDC tracked millions of phones to see if you did what you were told, to see if you followed COVID lockdown orders, which were unbelievably detrimental to your health, to your society, to your economy, everything. Destroyed everything. Solution being worse than the problem, just like we told you. But no, no. They had to make sure you followed orders because the CDC can enforce it. No, no, because they want to. That's where this goes. Health orders with the WHO, the World Economic Forum, all this, it's building to a point where they're like, we need power. We need to be able to say the problem and then make sure you do what we say. But the point is this tracking, it's not new. It's always been happening, but you're just seeing how it can work in a time of supposed emergency, lockdown, control, authoritarian, totalitarian government. 
shouldn't be surprising because here's what Israel was doing back then is too as well. And we called this out. It shouldn't be surprising that the U.S. government is pretty much in lockstep with the Israeli government. After the outcry, government scraps the Shin Bet phone tracking of Omicron carriers, except they didn't, though, and it came out later. The point is they were tracking specifically Omicron. Now, why? Maybe because they were tracking their variant they kicked out from Botswana and to the new self-spreading vaccine variant or whatever you want to talk about, right? There's all the discussions. I'm just being kind of facetious. I definitely consider that. Why were they suddenly all invested and everywhere tracking Omicron and all of a sudden making vaccines for Omicron? It came out like five days later, they were talking about making a vaccine for it. They know something we don't. I want to know who are the diplomats that carried that into Botswana. We never figured that out. Nobody cares to ask. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, weird that they only focus on South Africa when Omicron started, right? Except that's not where it began. If you remember our coverage, Botswana's government, and this is their blue-checked account, said this. The new virus, before it went into South Africa, because it came here first, was detected first on four foreign nationals who entered Botswana on the 7th of November 2021 on a diplomatic mission, which means they had diplomatic immunity, which means they could have smuggled anything. Ebola, viruses, bioweapons, it doesn't matter. You're allowed to bring in whatever you want as a diplomat, and you can't be checked. So why do we not care who these four people were? Where'd they come from? They were diplomats for what country? They were the ones that started this. It then spread to South Africa, and they only point there. This looks like the beginning of this to me, and it looks like something that was created. But I'm crazy, right? And they instantly started tracking it. Well, so too is your government. And they always have. It's, it's, it's ubiquitous and nonstop. That's the technocratic future. Now, going into the pandemic treaty, which is where this is all leading, problem, reaction, solution. Well, we need a pandemic treaty, don't we? Because look at how bad that went. Oh, you mean the thing that you did drills for like 37 times and every single time you did it, you found that you needed more of this and you needed to tighten up this and more PPE and more lock and then literally did none of that. <laughs> it's almost like you just wanted to say that you weren't prepared and not actually prepare yourself. So you could then go, oh man, we were so prepared. This is what we need. <laughs> I'm not making that up, guys. Look at what they said after Bent 201. Look at what they said after Crimson Contagion. Look at what they said after any number of them. We're not prepared. We need more PPE. We need more of this. And then it's not like they tried to do it. They just didn't do anything. Nobody even tried to initiate those things. Why does that make sense to anybody? Kit Knightley, always doing a great job. Pandemic treaty will hand WHO keys to global government. That's what this is. As she says, the Global Public Health Convention, the GPHC that we're talking about here, it says the GPHC report goes on to say that the current international health regulations are simply too weak and calls for the creation of a new independent, of course, sort of independent like the non-governmental organizations that are totally governmental, but independent international body to, quote, assess government preparedness. So like the same thing over again. And, quote, publicly rebuke or praise countries depending on their compliance with a set of agreed requirements. Requirements. So what does that rebuke mean if you're required to do it? The point is they have repercussions they can level against people. Another article published by the London School of Economics and co-written by members of the German Alliance on Climate Change and Health, CLUG, <laughs> also pushes the idea of accountability and compliance pretty hard. Quote, for this treaty to have teeth, well, why exactly the point is they want to be able to enforce it for those that don't want to follow it. 
the organization, for it to have teeth, the organization that governs it needs to have the power, either politically or legal, to enforce compliance. Why anybody would want to give the power to an international government, like a WHO, the UN, to force compliance on people as opposed to just discuss things in an international setting is really alarming to me. Because we need to understand that these international entities are not just these altruistic, virtuous groups that want, they, people want to pretend they are. They're aggressively influenced by very select groups. It's very clear. It also echoes the UN report from May 2021 in calling for more powers specifically for the WHO. In its current form, the WHO does not possess such powers to move on with the treaty the WHO therefore needs to be empowered financially and politically. It recommends the involvement of non-state actors such as the World Bank. Of course, why not? Why wouldn't the World Bank be involved with, with pandemic stuff, right? International Monetary Fund, a shocker. The World Trade Organization and the International Labor Organization. It's like you could have been like, which ones are the most concerning? <laughs> These four in the negotiations and suggest the treaty offer financial incentives for the early reporting of health emergencies. So basically people that want to jump up and be like, this is a pandemic, here's money. Okay, so maybe that could incentivize people to be more on guard or maybe it could incentivize people to literally fake things. Like, look, I'm not even talking about from the, from the top down just yet. Just from a basic low level entity, why wouldn't a small government somewhere be like, let's fake a pandemic, we'll get lots of money for it. I mean, why wouldn't that be an obvious thing to consider? Well, nobody would do that. Of course, the people that want to shout us down would say, you conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah, nobody would want to lie to make money because that doesn't happen in the world, you six-year-old. But it goes on to say, in case of a declared health emergency, resources need to flow to countries in which the emergency is occurring, triggering response elements such as financing and technical support. Now, as you're going to come to see, that's, before they know it's actually happening. So we, we think it's happening. Give them money quickly. It doesn't stop there, however, Kit writes. They also raise the question of countries being punished for non-compliance, which whatever that would mean, not pretending, not being ahead of the pan. I mean, it's, it's as, they, as, she, as they write in the article, it's like it's medical pre-crime. It's what this is. It says the treaty should possess an adaptable incentive regime. That's their word. Sanctions, such as public reprimands, economic sanctions, and denial of benefits. So now you're giving potentially the WHO the power to economically attack. That's a, economic sanctions or economic terrorism, guys. It's what it does. You are hurting people. You're going to give the WHO the ability to literally attack the civilian population of a country because their government doesn't want to go along with the pandemic treaty. Or denial of benefits. What that even means, I don't know. Benefits that you might be required do from other things like seizing bank accounts around the world. I mean, God knows. But this is alarming level of power. To translate these suggestions from bureaucrat into English, it means if you report disease outbreaks in a quote timely manner, you will get finance resources to deal with them. If you don't report disease outbreaks or don't follow the WHO directions, you will lose out on international aid and face trade embargoes and sanctions. Exactly. Right. Exactly what they're doing. They're isolating Iran and Russia for, you know, basically attacking anything Russian and Iranian. That's not the government. That's the country. Those are the people that you're attacking. In combination, these proposed rules would literally incentivize reporting possible disease outbreaks, 
Far from preventing future pandemics, they would actively encourage them. I agree with that. National governments who refuse to play ball being punished and those who play along getting paid off is not a new thing. We have already seen that with COVID-19. And in fact, watch the people that lie about it be handsomely rewarded. Two African countries, and by the way, we've talked about this, and this is crazy. Uh, Burundi and uh, Tanzania. Is that Tanzania? Tanzania, or I'm thinking Tasmania. Tanzania had presidents who banned the WHO from their borders. We talked about this. Whitney talked about this and refused to go along with the pandemic narrative. Now, weirdly, right after that, both presidents died unexpectedly within months of the decision. What a coincidence. Only to be then replaced by new presidents who instantly reversed their predecessor COVID policies. Could be coincidence or could be exactly what it looks like. Globalists backed coups and rewarded the perpetrators with international aid. The proposals for the pandemic treaty would simply legitimize this process, moving it from covert back channels to overt official ones. This is what they do. This is what Ron Paul had always pointed out about writing into law the very thing they pretend they're stopping. It's like the smith munt Modernization Act. It's like the War Powers Act. It's like the Patriot Act. They write into law. So we go, we don't like that you lie to us. And they go, okay. So they'd write into law that it's now legal to lie to you. Does that fix it? Well, no, you just, you, you're doing the same thing. You just made it legal. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So it's no longer a problem, right? <laughs> it's like, that's what they do. So this very, very illegal and sim- it's in, like maliciously, I, what's the word? Like, um, I don't know, just sinister, it feels, behind the scenes kind of thing will now be presented as something that's fighting for you, as always. Public, the, uh, the P-H-E-I-C stands for Public Health Emergency of International Concern. That's what they'll be able to initiate a P-H-E-I-C. Everyone's got to be on guard now for this thing coming. Now, prior to 2008, the WHO could only declare an influenza pandemic if there were enormous numbers of deaths and illness, and there was a new and distinct subtype. However, I believe we've talked about this, but maybe not. In 2008, the WHO, just like we're seeing today, loosened the definition of what an influenza pandemic was, and they simply removed the two conditions that you just listed. Which, by the way, then turns all these into basically a pandemic is whatever they want it to be, which this makes the point right here. Again, the BMJ seemingly stand out most of these processes. As a 2010 letter to the British Medical Journal pointed out, these changes meant, quote, that many seasonal flu viruses from before could be classified now as pandemic influenza. So things that were not even remotely considered pandemics are suddenly now pandemics because they just changed the definition. You starting to get a picture? If the WHO had not made those changes, the 2009 swine flu outbreak that they lost their minds about could never have been called a pandemic, nor, nor, to, nor would the one today, and would likely have passed without notice because it was not dangerous, as was later proven, and I'll show you that next. Instead, dozens of countries spent millions upon millions of dollars on swine flu vaccines they did not need and did not work in fact, hurt people. Despite this historical example of blatant corruption, one proposed clause of the pandemic treaty would make it even easier to declare a pandemic of public concern. Quote, future declarations of these PHEICs by the WHO Director General should be based on the precautionary principle where warranted. So, meaning we don't know for sure, but just in case. 
sound familiar as well, doesn't it? Yes, Kit Knightley writes, the proposed treaty could allow the director general of the WHO to declare a state of global emergency to prevent a possible potential pandemic, not in response to one, which is not a kind of, in my opinion, it is literally a medical pre-crime, a pandemic pre-crime. If you combine this with a proposed financial aid for developing nations, if they simply report what they think might be a building health emergency, you can see what they're building here. Essentially bribing third world governments to give the WHO a pretext for declaring a state of emergency on the potential that it could build. We already know the other key points likely to be included in a pandemic treaty. They will almost certainly try to introduce, and I 100% agree with this, international vaccine passports, which they're already doing, and pour funding into big pharma's pockets to produce vaccines, if you want to call them that, even faster with even less safety testing. That's their plant, that's their platform mRNA platform they've been building. A pandemic treaty that overrides or overrules national or local governments would hand supranational powers to an unelected bureaucrat or expert, like a Fauci, for instance, who could exercise them entirely at their own discretion and completely on subjective criteria. Hear this, guys. This is the very definition of a technocratic globalist entity, of technocratic globalism. It's what it is. It's what we have to see it as, because that's what's building around us. Now, we just talked about this. Just to include it again, this is, it's, I could not see it. This is exactly what they're doing. They are building the idea, changing definitions, altering the reality to make what they want to happen, to be what they claim is happening. They alter the idea of the death, the information, the definitions around it, everything. Like what this is, the idea of changing the, the pandemic uh, where was it right here? The pandemic stipulations, right? What, what they need to declare something a pandemic right here. And so now all these mild flus from the past are suddenly pandemics. What does that say about what we say is a pandemic today? And my point is this is including the WHO in 2008 to loosen this. So here's my point. This in 2011 are two members of the WHO who then seemingly very quickly were no longer part of the WHO, which speaks volumes to me. But it says repeated health scares of H5N1, H1N1 were simply a culture of fear. Exactly what we're talking about. We're, and this is what they're saying and exactly what Kit Knightley is warning about. The pandemic pre-crime, possible issues. That's what they called out. Worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment. Rather than wait for information, they argue we need a preemptive strike. These are bad. They're arguing this is a bad thing. That's what they're still doing, guys, because it gives them the power to just jump with nothing. The pandemic policy was never informed by evidence, but by fear of worst case scenarios, which is exactly why the swine flu, the H1N1 was not dangerous. They lied. They hyped. It was fear based on nothing. They knew that, in my opinion. I think it was proven. But my point is they're saying that they didn't have evidence. They did it by hypotheticals. That's what they want to enshrine as international law. In both of those pandemics of fear, the WHO is writing, the exaggerated claims of a severe public health threat stem primarily from disease advocacy by influence experts like Fauci. There is no reason, they said, for expecting any upcoming pandemic to be worse than the mild ones of the 57 and 68 ones. No reason for striking preemptively. No reason for believing that a proportional and balanced response would risk lives. Now, of course, the ones that want to believe would say, obviously, that's not true because look at what happened. Well, that's not what happened. 
These are experts that are telling you there's no reason to assume this is going to happen. Their hype is what created the reality of what's going on today. Disease experts wish to capture public attention and sway resource allocation decisions in favor of the disease of their interest. Decisions must be based on adaptive responses to emerging problems, not definitions. Clearly, they didn't want these people here, didn't want this to be the reality. So now, you could, as, as I've shown many times before, now they remove the page. That's why it's on the Wayback Machine or the archive, because they don't want you seeing this anymore. They don't want you knowing that there were people involved in the WHO that were aware of what was happening. Now, here's that page again, if you'd like to rewatch that show. Now, I'm also going to include these, if you can look into this for yourself. Here's the page itself. The world needs a treaty with teeth. Right, exactly. They need to be able to enforce what they decide is best for you on your life. Has nothing to do with what you vote for, what you believe in, or even what you think is you, you know, your country, even. This is about a world global entity that is very quickly taking over that we need to recognize. Global genomic surveillance strategy for pathogens with pandemic and epidemic potential all the way to 2032. Right. They're just laying out the groundwork. Right. That's the next one. Here, this one comes next. There, yeah, that's where it seems to be going. Well, here's the breakdown. If you want to follow this international treaty on pandemic prevention and preparedness, they say right here that their next meeting by August 1st, 2022, you can just follow it yourself. This is from the EU, the European Council on, on European Union. You could check it out for yourself. Now, this is where it seems to come together. This is quite alarming. Listen to this. This is, let me get this real quick, removed from the studio. Now, this is the UN basically speaking on the, on the connecting with the World Economic Forum on accelerating Agenda 2030. Why would they want to accelerate it? Because we are breaking this thing down and they are clearly in some kind of end game rush to get this thing done. That's my opinion. Afternoon, the Secretary General and Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will sign will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 agenda. Yep, there you go. Coming your way, guys. They are wrapping this thing up right now. You, I mean, who elected Klaus Schwab and why is he involved in deciding what your future will look like? I mean, I, we have, these are unelected technocrats. They're literally building the world that you're going to be forced to exist in. Here's what he just said the other day. As I said in my tweet, oh, not the other day, excuse me, but in a recent interview, it's clear, it, I said it's very clear that this is not, that this is most certainly not all conspiracy theory. If you simply listen to what they are explicitly telling you, he's talking about the fourth industrial revolution, which he says is happening right now. Imagines that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains. And um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain really? waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, Oh, well, I guess we'll all, we'll all have them, though. Foregone conclusion. You'll Because you'll all have them. You'll all have your brain chips. Oh, you mean the thing that the way, the corporate media will laugh and say you're so dumb in conspiracy theory? He, I mean, guys, it's right on the surface. I, the bottom line is whether you want to think it's a nefarious agenda or not, that's the direction that they're telling you is your future. And based on any metric you look at, most Americans are not excited about that. Here we are. Happening anyway.
time to step up. Time to stand up. Here's Bernie Sweet pointing out that in France, two days after the election, a decree authorizing digital identification is issued. One by one, governments push compliant citizens into digital ID for your control, not your safety. Your green pass becomes your prison. The government will launch a digital identity application. Guys, this is not COVID related, even though, I mean, it is and it isn't. It's the impetus was COVID and now it's just launched into a digital ID. That was the point. The passport, the control metric, your your ability, your or lack of ability to do anything without first going through these hoops, just like we see in China. Digital ID as a foundation for social credit. This is in uh, Ontario. Understanding Alberta and Ontario digital ID systems. It's all being built while you're distracted. Joe Allen points out your tax dollars at work. Reputation, biometric features, group membership, social credit score. USAID, guess what? Digital identity and inclusive development. Oh, you live over in a different country? Well, here's what we're going to give you to make your life better. Except it's not. Just like GMOs didn't make their life better. Just like their injections you gave didn't make their life better. In fact, they made them worse. So too will this. You are forcing your control matrix on a, on people around the world that don't even live the same kind of world that we do. Right? Just because people live in different countries that do things that we don't think are the same, it's not worse necessarily. Especially even places that live in, you know, that we would argue are more third world countries. There are plenty of people around the world that choose to live a different life. Most Americans are just so brainwashed into the idea of how we're spreading good things to people you know, it's like, it's like looking at these tribal people that shoot the arrows at the, at the helicopters. We're like, what should we, should, do we have a moral obligation to go in there and give them injections? It's like, no, you don't guys. They don't want what you're giving. They don't want you a part of their lives. That's why they know you're exi- you exist. That's, they don't have cell phones and TVs. They live in a very tribal mentality. They are desperate to keep it that way. I've had a whole conversation about this, but we act like it's our moral obligation to like bring them McDonald's and Walmart. I mean, come on, guys. They they just want to subjugate people. Now, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm actually I just want to give a shout out to Jay Willis again because this is a great video. He really does great videos. I'm gonna use this in the future. It's a 10 minute video. I just want to include it because it's relevant to what we're discussing at the end here. But it, I'm gonna use it again in the future. But I just want to give it a shout out. This is the volume 51. It has a lot to do with the Great Reset stuff and the, the you know Musk and all this stuff as always doing a great job, but to finish off, I'm going to play this little outro for the Pfizer credit roll that we just saw that we discussed before all the things they pretend aren't there. Super, super, super rare. Yeah, not really guys. Thank you for joining me today. Ooh, that went out of focus for some reason. Thank you for joining me today. There we go. Important stuff, guys. There's just never, there's not an end right now to how much information is continuing to fly out. So we'll do our best to keep it in front of you. It's, it's, these days, it's impossible for any one group to follow or to cover. It's just, you know, it's, it's why you need to be, not limit yourself to one group, right? It, whether it's you want to listen to corporate media or Fox News, you know, whatever else, which I recommend you take with a huge grain of salt. But make sure you're listening to a lot of, make sure you find somebody that has different perspectives than I do. Consider them, weigh them, think about them. Right, because just I, I, I know I come from a good place that I, I believe in what I'm saying, and I know that I'm doing what I'm doing for good reasons. But there's no way people could know that for sure. I could also be wrong. I could be mistaken. So make sure you're, you know, questioning this show and what we're talking about and weighing other people's opinions. My point in saying all this is that we need to continue to broaden out and 
and also support these other groups as well, right? There's so many people out there that are doing their best to bring you honest information. And it's just so important to stand by them today. We have never been more attacked than today. Thank you for being here, guys. Every single day I do a show and every single day I see you on the chat, I'm honored to be involved in this with you guys because this wouldn't exist without you. So thank you for your support. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you, as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter, and the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated.